Amazing Grace Kona welcomes you to today's lesson from Pastor Izzy Manzo. Our prayer is that today's lesson will spiritually feed and uplift you. Now, here's Pastor Izzy. Would you turn your Bibles to Galatians chapter 5? Now, when Paul is writing this stuff, he's telling the, the churches, guys, let us, if we, if we say that we're Christians, you know, he says, let us not just talk that we are, but let us walk this walk that we talk. Let us walk in the Spirit. And if you're not familiar with these things of the Spirit, this is the stuff that really takes your Christian experience to a new level. When you begin to learn to walk in the love of God, and the love of God has its own word. It's, it's agape, or agapeos, but does, the tense that you pronounce in doesn't matter. Just remember, it's unconditional love. And in the book of Corinthians, some of you also know, this is one of the most quoted passages. It describes that God love. The love of God is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. It reads, love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not jealous. Love does not brag. It's not arrogant. Doesn't act unbecomingly. I call it acting out. <laughs> like uh, drawing attention to yourself, making... um big spectacle or everyone look at me, look at me and you act like a fool and, or, or you do something stupid at the party. That's unbecoming. Okay. Love does not do that. Love does not seek its own and it's not provoked. Love does not take into account a wrong suffered. It does not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoices with the truth. It says love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. And lastly, love never fails. Now, this is the love of God. But if you want to see how spiritual you are, I want you to do this with me. Just take your name and put it in place of the word love. We're going to find out how much growth we need to work on. Because if I read this, Izzy is patient. Izzy is kind. Izzy is not jealous. Izzy does not brag is not arrogant, does not act unbecoming. I, oh my gosh, how many areas are you going to hit me with, Lord? Izzy does not seek his own. He is not provoked. He does not take into account a wrong... This was not written for Sicilians. <laughs> he does not... Now, does not rejoice in unrighteousness. That one I pretty much can say, I do not like unrighteousness. Iniquity is the old King James. Sin, when people are doing sinful things to other people, that irks me. So that one I got. Woo, one. He does not, uh, 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 but rejoices with the truth. That I do too. Now, Izzy bears all things. Izzy believes all things. I put my name in here, guys, but hopes all things, endures all things. And lastly, Izzy never fails. If you do this with your own name, you, I know you're laughing at me. My pain, your gain, right? Do this with your own name. See what areas that you have to grow in, in the love of God. Do we all have areas to improve on? This is a description, a really good description of the unconditional love what God loves us with. But this is the love I aspire to love others with. And the very first fruit Paul describes to the Galatian church of the Spirit is this very love described in Corinthians. This is something that we want to have. Then the next fruit of the Spirit Paul describes is joy. 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. All of these are fruits. Now, just a quick question. Have any of you ever tried to consciously be more patient with my coworkers this year? Or I'm going to be more kind to that jerk neighbor that I have down the street. Let me explain something. These are called fruits of the Spirit. Fruit. He picked a really good description. Fruit. Do you, as you pass past the apple orchard or the orange orchard, you, 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 do you hear the trees going, I'm going to bear fruit today if it kills me. And out comes the fruit. You know, they just strain and oh, I'm going to make it happen. They don't do that, do they? They stand there in the orchard, just waiting. They're not moving around. They're not dancing. They're not straining to make a fruit. They're simply staying put. In the old King James, it's called abiding, remaining where they're planted. Because for a tree to actually make fruit, it needs to keep its roots down deep in the earth where it can absorb the nutrients that come to it. And it comes up the trunk and it just gets put out to the branches, to the tips, and it makes that little blossom. And then the blossom, the bees come, they pollinate it, and then it slowly, you know, conceives that little thing and the petals fall off and the little tip on the end that got pollinated, that slowly begins to grow. Now, I know this because I grew up in Arizona where we had a lot of orange orchards. And boy, that time of year when the, the orange trees are in blossom, it's like so fragrant. It just, but as kids, what we like to do was wait till it gets the blossoms, they kind of open and then they curl back the, the, the leaves. They're white and they have this little green thing that sticks out and it has a little bit of, little bit of um, sticky stuff on the end. And it's sweet. <laughs> And we get in trouble with the farmers all the time because we used to pick them. You know, when the bees, after the bees pass by, they put this little pollen on them and they get sticky. And you, you just pick the little center part, that little teeny green stick that sticks out of the middle of the flower. And you suck on it. It's like getting a little sweet honey candy. You know, it doesn't last very long, but it's got a little bit of citrus flavor to it. Like a little orange honey candy. And we knew this as kids, man, that... When it's blossom time, it's like candy, free candy. Let's go to the tree. Well, <clears throat> I'm not thinking of it from the farmer's point of view. Every little blossom that I pick, what did I just make him lose? That's an orange. It's not an orange yet, but it's the baby orange, okay? It's going to be an orange if I leave it alone and don't take it off the tree. And this is one of the principles that we read from Jesus. In John chapter 15, let me show you this. In John 15, Jesus was telling the disciples that he wanted them to bear fruit. But here's the trick to bearing fruit. It's a process. It's one where he explains the inner workings of it and how it works in our spiritual realm. Let me explain it here. John 15, verse 1. It says, I am the true vine. My father is the vine dresser. Now, every branch that in me that does not bear fruit, he says, the father takes it away. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it that it might bear more fruit. Now you, he says, are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So abide in me, he says, and I will abide in you. 
As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. Now, what's Jesus saying? We're the branches. He's the vine. If we don't stay connected to him, we won't get the nutrients through our branch to produce fruit. But if you take the branch away from the vine, it dies. And it will not become fruitful. It'll just be later, he says, it's good for only gathering up and putting in bundles and throwing into the fire. It becomes firewood. If it doesn't live and bear fruit, it is fruitless. And if you are fruitless spiritually, let me tell you, that's not a good place. Some of you will say, well, pastor, I know we should bear fruit, but I don't really like having to love my neighbor's stuff. I, you know, they irk me. I'm like, sorry. I'm not the one who, who gave the commandment to love one another? Jesus did. God did. It's not new. You don't like the rules? Talk to him. Don't get mad at me. I'm just telling you what he said. In fact, it's in this very chapter. Let me show you. John 15, he goes on. He says, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch. As it dries up and they gather them, he says, and cast them into the fire and they are burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, he says, ask whatever you wish and it shall be done for you. If we ask anything Jesus says, it says we will receive an answer so that our joy would be made full. This is why at the end of our you know, time when we pray, we always say in Jesus' name. We're at praying in his name, Father, we ask you these things because he gives us fullness of joy when we ask these things. And he's, he wants to answer us, but we have to come to him on his terms. He's the one that made only one mediator between us and God. And that one mediator is Jesus. No one else gets to fill the bill, just Jesus. That doesn't mean he'll say yes. He could say no. But that's still an answer. Sometimes that no is for your protection. Maybe you're praying, I want this thing, Lord. And the Lord goes, no, I'm not giving you that car. The brakes are junk. You'll get in an accident. I'll give you one, that one. They work. Or His no is not because he's uptight. His no is because he sees everything. And he knows what he has. for. You could be praying for a relationship with someone. Oh, I'm so, I want that person. And the Lord goes, no, you don't. See, because we, we judge by limited understanding. We, we look at the outside. There's a big problem with that. We don't know how we're going to get along with that person when it's no one else is around and we're, you know, maybe they're great in public. You get them home and they burp. They break wind. You're like, oh, wow, I didn't know that about you. They didn't tell me that on the brochure. Forget it. You know, that's why I laugh about these things that they put on the computers with the dating. And say, How much do you really know about that person? And then you find out that they're, it's not even the person. Some old fat guy. <laughs> like, posing. They do that. It makes me just like, oh, come on. Praying to God is the best way to get your answer. And asking him in Christ's name. Now, I told the kids, I don't have to guarantee this to you. Jesus said it. Now, if Jesus said, you ask anything of my father in my name, and he will give, you will receive. 
who's who's putting the guarantee to the words? Jesus. And Jesus, he's teaching these disciples. He's here in John 15. It's not too much time from now before he's going to depart to go to the cross. And the parts here of John become very rich with things for our spirit. He says, listen to this, verse 8 of John 15. By this is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit. God wants you to bear these spiritual fruits. He wants you to have love and joy and peace and patience, kindness. He wants that in your life. Because when you bear these fruits, he says, you prove that, are, that you are really his disciples. You want to prove that you're following the Lord? Let him change you. Let him grow these fruits of the Spirit. Now, how do you get him to grow? It's easy. He says it right here. Let me read on. He says, just as the Father has loved me, Jesus says, I have loved you. Abide in my love. He says, if you, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Now, these things I've spoken to you that, that my joy may be in you and that your joy would be full. There's something great to a Christian that has fullness of joy. Because the Bible says the joy of the Lord is our, it's our strength. And when your joy is gone, and by the way, can, can circumstances or life rob us of our joy? Can it sap us of that joy that we have? Yeah, that's why David, when David sinned with Bathsheba, do you guys remember? In Psalm 51, verse 10, he prayed, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a, a right spirit within me. Right? You know, when you sin, the Spirit of God is quenched in your life. And some people, they'll say, I don't feel God's Spirit. I'm like, what sin are you in? Wait, how'd you know I was in sin? Because it's really easy. It works this way. When you sin, you feel God's Spirit depart from you. But David went on to say, Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. How many of you remember the day that you found out Jesus died for you? How good did you feel that day? That's called the joy of your son. And if you've never experienced that, let me, let me just explain. It's a simple thing for you to come to experience. You just need to know that when it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, he wasn't talking, like I used to think, yeah, God loves the world. That's everybody. Except I'm not included. I don't know why. I thought the world was all those other people. Not me. I'm the bad boy. I don't count. That's the, for the good people. And one day, one day, the Lord let my ears open. And I, and I realized, Jesus said, let those that have an ear to hear, hear what the Spirit says. The Spirit was saying, God so loved the world, and is he your included? And you know how he made me hear that? The preacher that was preaching said, if you were the only person, if Richard was the only person on the planet, sorry, Richard, I'll pick you. If he was the only one, would Jesus have still come and died? If Sharon was the only one, would, and he did that, and it was a small group, and guess who he pointed out next? Me. If Izzy was the only one, would Jesus have still died? And boy, I never thought of it that way. 
I always thought the world was all those other people. But when he went personally to me, if I was the only one, would Christ have still come? All of a sudden I realized the world was me included. And that day would come to be a day of that seed of faith putting in my heart, God was saying, I want you. I want you. I loved you and sent my son to die for you. And when that sank in, I can't tell you, but inside there was this joy I couldn't explain. It's like, I'm included. And I, I'm forgiven. The preacher said, everything. You're forgiven everything. Every sin as far as east is from west. When, when the psalmist wrote, Lord, forgive me my sin. And the Lord's the, the response was, as far as east is from west. In a straight line, not around the globe. In for infinity, forever. That's how far he takes my sin and removes it from me. He, he, the Lord just he balls it up in a little, crumple up that little sin. And now you got the Lord's pitching arm. <laughs> he throws it and that thing is gone for infinity. And, and when you go back to the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me for that thing. He goes, what thing? Because that sin you asked for forgiveness for just got sent on an infinite journey away from you. It will never be remembered again by God. You can come back later and have the guilt. So, oh God, I'm so sorry. I know I... Asked you to forgive me this morning, but I just want to make sure. And you know what he's going to say to you when you come back? For that thing you already asked forgiveness? You go, what are you talking about? I already forgave you. It's gone. What the psalmist, another psalmist wrote, it is cast into the sea. I can visualize, look over there. The sea of forgetfulness. Never to be remembered. When you say, God, forgive me. And he goes, done. It's done. Now, how do you feel inside when you hear that? How's your spirit? Man, my, yeah, relieved. <sighs> Man, that's good. We are clean. We are, we are forgiven completely. In Romans chapter 8, verse 1, how much condemnation is there for us now that are in Christ? None. Yet I know a lot of Christians walking around feeling condemned struggling with things and not really realizing how complete God's forgiveness is and how much joy it brings us when the Lord forgives us that completely. It's a, man, what a joy that it's, it, it, it gives us strength inside beyond anything. It's the greatest thing, the joy of the Lord, the joy of our salvation but see, David, when he sinned, he had to cry out to the Lord, Lord, oh, make me have a right heart. Create in me a clean spirit. Restore unto me. Now, this is interesting. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. He forgot that sweet joy. And if you're a Christian living in sin, you're probably one of the most miserable creatures on the planet. Because there's nothing worse than a Christian. See, when you weren't a Christian and you sinned, you really didn't have a reason not to. You're just living your life after the flesh and, you know, you do the best you can. Some of you are professional sinners, I call it. 
You are good at it. You even boast about it. I'm a good sinner, man. I mean, I'm bad, but I'm good. I mean, I do it really well. I, I sin to the top degree of the meter. I don't just go a little bit. But when you came to Christ and asked him to forgive you, and he said, let's do it now in newness of life. Let's leave behind those old fleshly things and walk by the Spirit. If you do let go of those things and, and become new, how much joy is there for you? How much peace? How, how much? It's incredible. It's, it's indescribable. It's so, I can't put in words how beautiful it is. That feeling of, man, all that stuff that used to separate me from God, I can just, like, been there, done that, don't want the t-shirt. I'm done. Don't even remind me. I, I, that's my old life. I passed out of that life into a new life in Christ. And that's what, when we get baptized and you get, we call it symbolically burying them in the waters of baptism. We're laying you to rest like Jesus was buried. And you join yourself to him in the, in the likeness of his death in the waters of baptism. But you also join him in the likeness of his resurrection. Yet to be able to now walk in a new life, not all the old, how many of the old things, after you get baptized, how many of those old things are still with you? They're gone. They're buried. Talk about a great way to start off your life anew. Get baptized. And it's a marvelous thing, guys. That new life is, is great that the Lord lets us walk in. But if you want to keep sinning as a Christian and kind of like live a little bit in the flesh and a little bit in the spirit, how, how, how good are you going to feel? I can tell you, guilty, condemned, I ain't doing what I'm supposed to, that, that life of compromising, the compromising Christians, they, they're the most miserable ones I know. And all I can do is say, if you can hear this, Ezekiel used to cry this over and over. Forty years this guy was crying out. And, and Jeremiah, his contemporary, Jeremiah, the, both of them had the same message from the Spirit. Come back to the Lord, you backslidden. Come ye out of your backsliding Follow the Lord with a, a whole heart. Now, this is what we want to do because, well, Jesus, let, let me just today, I want to end with what Jesus' command is out of John 15 because it's going to help us to become fruitful if we do it. He says, these things in verse 11 of John 15, I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy would be made full. And this is my commandment. Love one another just as I have loved you. How much did Jesus love us? He totally, he laid his life down for us. He died for us. How, how much should we love one another? That much? Jesus says this, greater, greater love has no one than this, that you, than that you would lay down your life for your friend. That's the greatest expression of love. And then Jesus says, you are my friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. Now, was Jesus going to lay down his life for us? Yes. But he tells us we have to do what he commanded. Now, long, now he says, no longer do I call you slaves 
for a slave does not know what his master is doing, but I have, I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my father, I make them known to you. You did not choose me, Jesus says, I chose you. And I appointed you, ordained is the old King James word. I, I made an appointment for you to do something, an ordination that you should go and bear fruit, be fruitful. He says, and that your fruit should remain. In other words, you don't pluck the little blossom off the thing before it grows. It's got to stay put. And that your fruit would remain and that whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. This I command you, that you love one another. May you all abide in Jesus and may he make you bear fruits of the Spirit. Amazing Grace Kona thanks you for listening to today's lesson. You can listen to today's lesson or any of the radio lessons on iTunes titled Celebrate the Lord. And if your travels take you to Kailua Kona on the Big Island of Hawaii, come visit us. We meet Sunday mornings, 9 a.m. on the beach at the north end of the old Kona Airport. For more information on Amazing Grace Kona, go to our church website at AmazingGraceKona.com. Amazing Grace Kona is the original Calvary Chapel Kona.